Hello and welcome, coffee book lovers. We are continuing on today in The Curious Barista's Guide to Coffee, written by Tristan Stevenson, at the top of page 36. Milling and Transportation To complete its journey, the coffee must be dry milled to remove the parchment, then graded for quality, checked for defects, sampled, packed, and exported. Who exactly the farmer sells to in any given scenario will be based on a number of factors, including but not limited to the size of the producer's farming operation and its financial circumstances, the degree to which the producer processes the coffee, customs in the area, geographical limitations, presence of cooperatives and the legal structure within the country itself. Most growers, however, sell parchment coffee, dried beans that are still encased in their endocarp or parchment layer. While still in this form, the coffee is a mixed bag of large and small green beans, cracked beans, twigs, leaves, and probably a bunch of other things besides. Since it still requires milling, screening, grating, and repacking, and as much as 30% of a bag won't make the cut, parchment coffee is worth a lot less than prepared green beans. Growers sell their product either to a dry mill, which does the job of removing the parchment and sorting the coffee, an exporter responsible for shipping the coffee, or a middleman, or even two middlemen, known colloquially as coyotes. Often these guys will hang out at a bus stop and collect bags of parchment coffee from small farms, pay for them, then transport them to the mill or the exporter for sale. It's also worth noting that some dry mills export the product themselves, and some exporters operate their own dry mills. Some growers rest, mill, and sort their coffee before selling to exporters, but that is quite rare outside of the biggest farms. There are even some growers who handle their own export too, but this is even more scarce and not without its headaches from an importer slash roaster's perspective. Some large Brazilian estates dry mill their coffee but leave the sorting up to the exporter. This upgraded type of green coffee is called bica corrida there, or there. The term translates as spout race, describing the practice of quickly milling and packaging the green coffee. In some countries, there may also be a cooperative in the mix, often representing over 1,000 small growers. Cooperatives will sometimes do the job of wet milling, see page 32, and dry the coffee beans. Some will also take charge of storage before shifting the parchment coffee onto an exporter, while others may have dry milling facilities and indeed perform the role of the exporter. Between every link in the supply chain, there is the possibility of a trader or broker dipping in too. Traders can buy up stocks of coffee, add it to their inventory, then sell it on to the next man for an increased price. Brokers basically do the same thing, but without ever taking physical possession of the coffee. They are, in effect, just connecting sellers with buyers and skimming their cut off the top. When you put it like that, it makes the role of the trader and broker seem dispassionate and hard-nosed, and that can sometimes be the case, but in many scenarios it is the hard work done by these individuals that connects the best coffee with the specialty market. In some extreme circumstances, it's not uncommon for parchment coffee to pass through half a dozen hands before leaving its country of origin as graded green coffee, so it's not difficult to see why most farmers only receive a fraction of the coffee's final selling price. Many specialty roasters have now established direct trade relationships with farms to better understand where their coffee has come from, and to ensure the farm receives fair payment for their work. 
Don't be fooled by a name though. This is not a fairy tale picture of cheerful farmers packing up containers of coffee and sending them to the door of an expectant roaster. The direct trade relationship is more about transparency, when a farmer, miller, exporter, importer, and roaster all work together towards a more sustainable industry model. Crucially though, the roaster and farmer agree upon a fairer payment, and the services of the other trade partners are paid for separately. Milling. Once the coffee arrives at the mill, it is first passed along a vibrating platform that removes any dry debris that may have been loaded into the bag. Next, it is hauled of its parchment in a large blender-like contraption, and it's at this stage that the green bean itself is now finally visible. It is then sorted, and whether by hand or mechanically, the coffee will be graded according to size, density, and color. Coffee sizes are measured in fractions of an inch, but commonly referred to as a single number, e.g. 16 64th of an inch is simply a size 16. Particularly small beans may be rejected and sold to the local market. Once sorted, samples will be taken and visually examined for defects, then roasted in a small sample roaster to assess the quality of a finished cup. The mill will be looking for such things as evidence of coffee weevil activity manifested by small boring holes and beans, see page 29. The sheer quantity of small growers means that some exporters and buyers will sample roast, grind, brew, and cup up to 1,000 samples of coffee a day. Some of these samples may be identified as being of especially high quality. And the goal of the exporter will be to separate these from the lower quality samples that may be blended together for bulk sales. The best of these selections are made into lots destined for auction, which can vary in size from only a few pounds to many tons, depending on availability and price. Intended for the specialty market, lots may be categorized by variety, processing method, plots on the farm, and even the day of harvest. Local auctions, or those arranged by organizations such as Cup of Excellence, offer the chance for importers to connect the needs of roasters to the available product. It has become more common in the past 20 years to see roasters travel to auctions themselves to assess, cup, and bid on lots in person. When all is said and done though, regardless of how good or bad the coffee is, someone will be willing to buy it, from chipped pieces of sorry old beans to the top tier of specialty coffee. On the top left of the page, there is a photo with the caption, Germany is one of the world's biggest importers of coffee, as is evident from this new arrival at Hamburg's docks. Transportation. Green coffee has, in the past, always been transported in the familiar 70 kilogram or 155 pound jute Hessian or burlap sacks, and they continue to be the bag of choice for most exporters and many a beanbag manufacturer, as they are cheap, renewable, and practically speaking, easy to take samples from. The downside of jute is that it provides absolutely no protection from water, and as such meets only the most fundamental requirements of a bag. Green coffee, while much hardier than roasted coffee, does age and deteriorate over time and the jute sack does little to prevent this. In recent years, a couple of newer options have become popular with roasters that pay particular attention to the quality and freshness of their greens. 
One of the much heralded alternatives is the vacuum sack, which effectively removes all of the air from around the product and protects it against moisture and exterior odors. The removal of the oxygen slows the aging of the beans until such a time that the bag is opened and the coffee roasted. There are other plastic options that have made an appearance recently too, such as the products created by US company Grain Pro Inc., which offer some of the benefits of vacuum packing, but without the need for specialist equipment. We'll leave off here today at the bottom of page 38 and take off again next morning with more coffee and more coffee books. Thank you.